I'll leave it about a minute. Blog Talk Radio. edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the Battle Sports Radio family. Thank you for joining us, whether you're with us live or it's 29 minutes before the hour of 6 in the Central Time Zone, or whether you're with us on a podcast. We appreciate it either way. Uh, we have a very busy show tonight, uh, a, a whole lot to talk about. I am your co-host, Kerry Clark of BAMAMAG.com, a subsidiary of Scout.com, joined as always in the studio by producer Thomas Watts of uh, Touchdown Alabama Magazine, which announced a merger this week. And also, we will be joined shortly by Drew DeArmond of 97.7 ESPN DeZone in Huntsville, as well as AlabamaIntel.com. And among the topics we'll be discussing tonight are, of course, the NFL draft, which uh, starts very shortly, uh, and Alabama is expected to be well represented. We'll also be discussing the uh, SEC arrest situation, of which Parole Tide is a member this week. We'll be discussing a basketball commitment uh, that uh, joined the team today as a preferred walk-on at Alabama, uh, a young man from Coleman who we'll be hearing from uh, in the second hour. We will be discussing a transfer off the Alabama basketball team that was just announced in the last hour. That's Jeff Garrett, a former uh, guest on this show. And uh, we'll be talking about the importance of the Alabama baseball series against Arkansas, which uh, gets underway uh, here in the next hour or so at the Hoover Met. And we'll have a live call-in from that game at 20 minutes after 7 Central Time from uh, Paige Hockman of, of Asian Rim, who I enjoyed visiting with this afternoon. And, uh, boy, you never go there and, and don't have a good meal. I was at the Colonnade location, and uh, that was great to see Paige and Roy Hockman, but also uh, you can visit them at their Huntsville location as well. More on that later when we talk to Paige around 20 after 7. Again, she'll be giving a report from the Hoover Met on how the first game of the Alabama-Arkansas baseball series is going, which features her son, the starting center fielder at Alabama the past three seasons, Georgie Salem. And uh, also, uh, I forgot to say, we'll be joined by Jimmy Stein. Uh, he's known on the Internet as LJS Law. He will be calling us uh, in about half an hour to discuss the NFL draft and the uh, parole tide situation and some other things. And it uh, looks like we are joined now by uh, Drew DeArmond. And uh, Drew, in addition to Jimmy Stein, Lawson Schaefer, maybe Big C., uh, I was telling Thomas and the listeners we're going to get a report at about 20 after 7 Central tonight from Paige Hockman live at the Hoover Vet to see how Alabama's doing against Arkansas. A good evening, Drew. Welcome. And, uh, well, I guess I should say for old time. He's saying he can't hear. He might have muted himself. <laughs> okay. I've done that before. Uh, anyway, but Drew, Drew is here. Uh, he just is not able to, I guess, hear yet. But uh, he uh, – <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, just just to recap, we're, we're going to hear 
uh, we'll hear from uh, Jimmy Stein of uh, the Talking Cup Business Podcast. They call him the LJS Law. Now we hear Drew in the background saying he can't hear anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those headphones have a knob you can turn. Here. Yeah, we'll, we'll but, try to uh, beat now. Uh, we'll be hearing from Paige Hotman, uh, who's going to be uh, reporting to us from the Hoover Met, where Alabama's taking on Arkansas tonight. And uh, like I said earlier, we'll discuss the uh, SEC's various arrest situations, including Alabama. And a new player added to the basketball roster today, and just a couple hours later, one departed the roster, one that never played a minute in a regular season game. So, uh, Drew, are you able to hear us now? Yes, not. Okay, well, uh, we'll go ahead, and, and, and I know Thomas has some stuff he has to attend to, but while we wait on Drew to get connected, uh, Thomas, uh, is Alabama going to be able to continue its two men in the first round streak tonight? I've seen 18 mock drafts, and four of them, four out of 18, show Landon Collins as a round two guy. How do you see it? Well, one for sure, obviously, Amari Cooper is going to go in the first, say, five picks. Right. I've He's gone – I've seen him moved up to three to Jacksonville, but he won't get past Oakland, I don't believe. And Landon Collins is is in an interesting spot. I've seen him rated as a top 15 talent, but suddenly you're seeing this groundswell of, oh, he's just a good in-the-box safety. He doesn't have coverage skills. I personally think that Collins doesn't get past number 29, which is the Indianapolis Colts. There have been There's been a lot of – you know, rumblings. If I follow some of their beat people on Twitter, just because I enjoy the Colts as a fran- as I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Andrew Luck fan, I'll admit it. And a lot of their a lot of their Twitter conversation has been either trade up to 22, which to somewhere in that area to get Landon Collins, or if Collins is there at 29, take him and take it all the way to the bank. So I think there could be two, but. There have been enough mocks that said he isn't, that if he is there, he could be that second-day steal for the top half of the second round. And I, I was telling Tom Drew, uh, I, I saw 18 mocks, and 14 of them had Landon going in the first round. You think it's a pretty good lock that he'll go in the first, Drew? I agree with Thomas. Um, I think he'll go in somewhere from pick you know, 15, maybe to 29, somewhere in there. Um I think his ceiling would probably be around, you know, 15, 16 right now. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals seem to have been a team that's been mentioned, the Dallas Cowboys. I know Mike Mayock had him going to Dallas this morning in the first round, which would be a good fit, I think, for Landon. Um, the Eagles, some have had him going 20th to the Eagles. So uh, I think uh, I agree with Thomas, though. I don't think he'll get past 29 with the Colts. And, you know, I really respect Bill Polian, uh, the Hall of Fame general manager, you know, he built the Carolina Panthers, he built the Bills, uh, he built the Colts, and uh, he basically said when in the in the mock last week with uh, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, when the, they let him drop out of the first round, he said that, you know, Landon Collins is a, is a ready-to-go safety, he's a first-round pick. And I believe he is, too. I, I, I tend to agree with Thomas. Landon's strength is as a tackler and against the run, but he, he is still a playmaker. Look at Arkansas, look at Florida. Uh, look at Tennessee when he was a young player. He can still make plays in, in, in the in the secondary. Now he may not be able to cover slot guys all the time, but he can still he still has ball skills. And another thing, Thomas is he's a great special teams player too. And uh, the thing about Landon is, and this is why I loved him in his career. It's why I'm wearing his jersey right now. Is he played hard every snap? 
and he never took any plays off. And he's a tough guy who very rarely didn't he didn't miss games, and uh, he 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 always came back, always stayed in the lineup. Even when he jammed his shoulder in the in the playoff game, he came back in. He's a warrior. He is true, but let me say this: uh, I, I was never impressed this whole three years at Alabama too much by his coverage skills. I thought he was a great run stopper, uh, and I'm sure that Mark Baldwin and Thomas will have some of that statement in their podcast. But I really thought he was. Uh, do you, as a Falcons fan, because I'm one too, you know that, do you see any giant difference in Landon Collins and William Moore? I mean, I think that's who you compare him to, but William Moore is still in the NFL, and I, I just think – and if, if you're a one-trick pony, you can't stay in the NFL for long. Now, I do think his strength is against the run. But, again, I, I do think he has some skills. Now, he's not ha-ha Clinton Dix. He's not as good an athlete. Or, That's all it's a, He's not as good a cover guy back there. He's not the, he doesn't have corner coverage skills, uh, in my opinion. But he can, uh, he, can, he can cover tight ends without a doubt. Uh, yeah. I th- and, I think, uh, and I think certain slot guys he could cover in a pinch. But, again, he's somebody you're not going to have to worry about. He's all about football. You're not going to have to worry about him off the field. He never got in one ounce of trouble at Alabama. True. He's a high-character guy. He's one of my favorites of all time. I feel like he brought the wood. I feel like he was a leader back there. He's an emotional guy. Uh, everybody has flaws, but I just think he's one of these guys. He's a low-risk uh, draft pick in the first round. He's going to – and look at Ha-Ha. Ha-Ha did slip some last year. But he ends up with the Packers, a good team, almost made the Super Bowl, should have if they hadn't choked. And and and, uh, and, and Ha Ha had 100 tackles, a few interceptions, had a really solid rookie year. And to be honest, with Landon, if he slips into the 20s, good for Landon because guess what? You're probably going to go to a team that's a good team in the playoffs and be surrounded by good players. That's what he was surrounded with at Alabama. He got a national championship ring. And he could end up early in his career getting a Super Bowl ring if he goes with the right organization. My gut feeling says that he does still go in the first round, um, somewhere between 20 and 29. And I think the most sensible thing you said in that diatribe, and that was a good breakdown, dude. But when you took off the Crimson Coat of Classes just for a second and pointed out that Landon can help a team on special teams from day one, yes. I think that's what keeps him in round one. And I think that streak of Alabama having two in the first round will continue. So, uh, but we're going to talk much more about the draft uh, in about half an hour or 25 minutes or so when we're joined by uh, Jimmy Stein, uh, LJS Law, uh, who is going to be talking to us and then heading to a draft party. He's that into it. I personally am not that into it, but I do enjoy the fact that Alabama gets great publicity out of the draft every year. Uh, and, 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 you know, we'll keep you updated. As we'll have comments, keep a watch on it, uh, and as the picks are made, we'll report them to you. Now, we're recording from 5.30 to 7.30 Central Time. So we're not going to have a ton of draft info for you, but what we do have, we will report. Uh, moving on to another part of football that's not as fun to talk about, Drew. Uh, the SEC has not had a good week, nor has Alabama. Uh, and, in fact, a young man who – I'm shocked, Drew, that a young man on the leadership council who has been zero trouble uh, decides to smash a cell phone and make some type of verbal threat, and I'm talking about Cyrus Jones. So what's your take there? Well, yeah, it was a sad situation. Uh, Cyrus has been a leader. I mean, he was voted by the media uh, the most friendly player and most media savvy. And, and by uh, the, the, it was a first-time award last year. They gave it to the player that they felt like was the most that, that gave the media the, the had the, the had the best relationship, I should say, with the media. Did a great job of 
you know, giving them what they need. If they needed extra time, you know, giving them, being a forthcoming, being real, being a, someone that, you know, just uh, was very accessible. Uh, and Cyrus has never been in any trouble. Uh, again, you said he's on the leadership council. I, I think he would be on the short list to be a team captain in 2015, but he had an emotional outburst, obviously probably with his uh, girlfriend. I mean, he broke a phone, not very smart, not the first to do that, but uh, obviously uh, smashed the phone, uh, made a verbal threat, punched a wall. I mean, obviously, thank goodness, uh, he showed good enough discipline and he controlled himself enough not to do, make a huge mistake, did not touch the young lady. Um, but, again, a, a regrettable situation. Uh, it's something that he's going to have to get past. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit. It was a little bit further along, but it was something along the lines of when Rashad Johnson had his issue, um, and he still went on to have a great last year as a captain and all this. I don't think it's going to be a black mark on Cyrus if you know he, he can get past it and move on from here, but certainly for the next few days it's not, very, it's not going to be fun, and it's never fun to have your picture plastered all over every Internet site you can find, and it says domestic violence, especially in, in this climate. I mean, once you dig deeper, you realize that, that was kind of overblown, but again, just a regrettable situation, and you have to kind of control your emotions. And sometimes, when when a, someone of the opposite sex that you care about is involved, that's hard. I totally understand. But it was just a regrettable thing from Cyrus because he's really been a, a class representative of Alabama and and uh, and a good football player. And you just hope he learns from it. Do you anticipate, uh, say, a one-game suspension? I mean, that could happen, but don't forget that Rashad Johnson did not get suspended for his transgression. Um, again, now, uh, if there had been some violence, physicality even, uh, you could have even thought about a, a dismissal. Hopefully not, but there would, would have been without a doubt probably a multi-game suspension uh, with this climate, this day and time. But uh, without the with, with the alpha physical violence, um, you know, with with his track record before that, I would say at the most you might see a one-game suspension, and uh, or he may just have a lot of Scott Cochran wake-up calls for a few weeks. We'll see. But uh, again, it's and it's also going to probably depend on how Cyrus handles it from this point forward. But uh, I, I, if there is a suspension, carry, I would say it would be a, a one game. That's what I think. One game at most, and maybe not even that if he. Uh, does all the requirements, and he will have right. between now and the end of August. Uh, I, I do feel like something you said earlier is going to uh, a couple of weeks ago. I do feel like that uh, Geno Smith will probably miss this contract. Oh, yeah, there's no question. Uh, I wouldn't. I would. I would not be shocked at a two to three game suspension for Geno Smith. Uh, don't really expect him at all against Wisconsin, and might be surprised. Uh, you, you may not see Geno till around week four. So. Uh, he had because he had two issues within a year of each other and the same transgression and that's a serious situation. He's lucky he didn't injure himself or someone else and um, obviously he, he'll have to a uh, price to pay for that. But hopefully he can get past that. But yeah, without a doubt, I I would expect a multi-game penalty for Gino. Well, our sponsor for hour number one tonight is Big Heads Barbecue. That's BigHeadsBBQ.net. Check them out on the web and. Uh, Give Chuck a call and let him cater your next event. And calling in right now on the uh, Big Heads Barbecue Hotline is uh, Big C, good friend of the show, Colin McGuire out of Greenville, Alabama. Let's go ahead and bring him on now. Big C, what's going on, brother? Not much, Gary. How you, Drew? What's happening? How you doing, Big C? What's going on, brother? Good. Doing all right. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I know there's been some um, – I'm 
I agreed. I think maybe a one-game suspension at the worst for Cyrus Jones. Uh, you know, when you hear the word domestic violence, you think about somebody getting slapped or slugged. But what he did was uh, was an uh, argument now. It was pretty silly for him breaking that girl's cell phone, I will say that. Oh, no, no, but, question. no question. But, I mean, that's the worst it is. And, I mean, I, I, I mean uh, to me, uh, I mean, it's bad that he did that. But, I mean, uh, you know, when you hear the word domestic violence, you think about like that deal with Ray Rice's girlfriend getting slugged in the elevator. Now, that was pretty bad. No doubt, Big C. Uh, it was a regrettable thing for Cyrus, and of course, when it first broke, and I was uh, up early, uh, cruising around, uh, basically uh, trying to uh, take take care of a erroneous tweet about Braxton Miller. Uh, I did see where Cyrus got arrested, and I checked it out. And then when you first see it, you're like, "Oh Lord!" I mean, but then I saw that it was a $500 bond and on two counts, and I was like, "Well, you know, I, I don't necessarily." Let's wait and see. Of course, when I informed some folks that it happened, it was like a bomb going off, get rid of him, kick him off the team. How can you be that stupid? Then when you realize, hey, when you read when you read the report, then you feel kind of dumb. Well, I'm sorry, no, I'm realizing there was no physical violence. Exactly. Just wait and see what really happened. I mean, was yeah. it dumb? Yes. But all, all of a sudden, kick him off. I mean, give me a break. Just relax. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, the fans out there, our fans especially, have knee-jerk reactions on everything, and they just need, like you say, just chill out and see what happens, and then get all the information. And then, uh, well, main thing is I'm letting Saban do it because he knows what he's doing. So, uh, whatever he well, thinks see, be uh, done, I'm two thousand years ago. 2,000 years ago, the, the greatest man to ever live said that he who is without sin cast the first stone. And nobody said anything. All you could hear was rocks hitting the ground. So, you know, <laughs> nobody's yeah. perfect. He made, he made a mistake. He'll pay for it between now and, and, and uh, September, and we'll see. I, I don't think, I agree with Drew, but I don't think he'll have more than a one-game suspension, but he may not even have that. He may just have a lot of uh, friendships made with the stairs at Bryant Denny. <laughs> A long way to be running up and down. I'll say that much. Oh. Well, uh, no doubt. Any, you know, this, this Braxton Miller deal last week was the hot item. It sounded like he's cooled off a lot. Uh, that's a good thing. Just let uh, everything okay. chill yeah. out. Yeah. Well, um, what did people think that Urban was going to say? Oh, All Urban did was regurgitate tired stuff from the Sugar Bowl. That's a, and then the, the fire I had to put out the next day was that kid on Twitter, on his Twitter account, putting that Braxton Miller insists he's going back to Ohio State, just rephrasing the, and putting the, the interview in, his, in, his, in the vernacular he wanted. There was no quotes, no story. And then I got people blowing my phone up talking about he's going back, he's going back, got Rodney Orr calling me. And I'm like, Rodney, here's the tweet. It says absolutely nothing. And, you know, I'll, you know, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I mean, Braxton uh, Miller, had the day before, had been in Birmingham getting his shoulder checked out. It's 100%. Everything as far as on track, no setbacks, everything went fine. And, again, 
as long as the silence is deafening from Braxton Miller, the better for Alabama. He's not saying a word, and he's going to finish his class next week and then hopefully, you know, be in Tuscaloosa by the end of May. And that's all I'll say about it. Okay. Well, that's the main thing you got to do about that anyway. Is that when summer school starts at the end of May? Yes. And There's so, a and, ton of people reporting on the 24th, and that includes freshman yeah. football players and basketball Correct. players. And, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that would be the day to look at it. Yeah, that's correct, Kerry. And, and and all I'll say is I, I can't really put it on a radio station out here live, but there's a backup plan for Braxton Miller, and, and that's all I'll say. So, I mean, there's a okay. uh, – the other 50-year transfer. Yeah, yeah so there's another 50-year transfer out, out in the wind, and he's called Alabama, and he's the backup plan for Braxton. A quarterback? Yes. Okay. Mm, that's interesting what you said there. Okay. I'll remember that. Okay. I got an idea, but I ain't going to say nothing since I don't want to start nothing. But, uh, exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Exactly. I still think it's going to be playing out, you know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but all the indications are that's correct, Gary. What else you got, Big C? Well, I just want to let everybody know on my – on my face, talking about my Facebook page, I've been writing up people that's having birthdays or birthdays in the month of April. I didn't do it today because Thursday's a real wild day for me, uh, going to the grocery store, doing this and doing this and doing this. So, uh, But tomorrow I'll be figuring up something to write up for the 1st of May on my Talking Bama with Big C Facebook page. Check it out. Like us on Facebook and also got the radio show going on, and I'll be talking to you around 7.40 tomorrow, big man. Yes, sir. You will. I look forward to that every Friday, Big C. Thank you. I do, too. There's a lot of a lot of good information on there. Yeah, I don't you'll know be, what you'll be talking some draft in the morning, Big C. Oh, oh yeah. That's right. That's starting up. Uh, I believe we'll be talking about Amari Cooper, big man. How soon do y'all think he'll get drafted? It's as high as third, Big C, and I don't think any lower than seventh. But that's just now, my opinion. And, uh, we we think Landon will be no, yes. We we think Landon will be no lower than 29th. And I will say this: I'm watching the current uh, Gold Carpet Show on the NFL Network, and Melissa Stark is looking very, very nice. And <laughs> I'll say she just interviewed uh, Landon Collins and his mom just about 10, 15 minutes ago. They're excited, and I, I think he will he will go in the first round. I'm excited for him. I want him to go to a good organization. Again, you know, Kerry and I have kind of broken down his strengths and weaknesses. Does have some flaws in his coverage game, but I think he's got enough coverage skills. And then being the, uh, the physical force he is against the run, uh, I think he's going to have a long pro career, and especially because he'll play special teams for you too. And uh, he, he's always going to oh, play yeah. hard. And he's a durable guy and, and a team guy and a captain and uh, and a champion. I, he's just a, a favorite of mine. I love how hard he played, and I think he'll be a really good pro and, uh, and hopefully may have a may have a Pro Bowl career. We'll see. Needs to go to the right team and uh, needs to again, like Kerry said, needs to. Need, I've heard that Dallas likes him in the dime package because he can almost be an extra linebacker, and that'd be a real good role for him. And he could cover tight ends, make some plays back there. But I just think Landon's got a chance to be a really good pro, and and much like Haha's gotten off to a great start in his career, they're different type players, but I think they can both uh, have very productive NFL careers. Well, the main thing with Mari, I hope he can 
you know, to me, Darren McFadden was a great college player, and needless to say, his pro career hasn't been too uh, sparkling because he didn't go to a good team. I hope he can avoid Oakland if he can. Well, I'll say this, Big C. If he's healthy, running behind that Dallas offensive line, you may see some much different results than you did the Raiders. And all I yeah. ask the football gods is that Amari Cooper go anywhere but the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Well, hopefully he'll go. If he has to go the fourth or fifth pick, that'll be all right. That's still pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just hopefully the fourth pick is the Raiders trading out. Oh, he getting paid. Don't worry about that. Oh, he's talking no, about no, no, the Nike. money part. Is not, no, the money part ain't got nothing to worry about. I just like to see him be able to be able to be on a decent team where he can be productive. Oh yeah, and, and no, don't get me wrong, man. He, Kerry would hate this, and I, you know, I wouldn't be, and I, but I would be, I would like it because he he cannot stand them. I don't hate them. I'm more of a Falcons fan. But if somebody like the Saints traded up to get Coop, that would be great. I would love him to play with a great quarterback. I'd love him to play with the Falcons, first of all, but I just don't think that's going to happen. They're going to go defense. I love uh, the Falcons trade up and get Dante Fowler. Well, I, I, I personally, I like that he screwed himself. I like Shane Ray better than I do Fowler. No, he's but, still in play, though. I, I saw an interview with Dimitrov. They're still looking at him. I think Dimitrov may trade up. Sounds like with the Redskins. But uh, we'll see what happens. But Dante Fowler, I like him a lot. I just question a little bit his production. He didn't show up every game. But who knows, man. When you start getting paid and you're in the NFL, the guy has talent. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I will say this. The one that kind of bugs me, everybody's got it going high. And I think he's a good player, but I'm still not really buying into Bud Dupree. But but we'll see. It may be because he was on a bad team at Kentucky. I'm not really seeing top ten in the – in the draft, but it looks like that's where he's going to go. There's a guy from Greenville that played at Kentucky named Smith. They think he'll be about a second or third round choice. He was a defensive end. He, he didn't even play but one year of high school football. He was a basketball player and then decided to go to junior college. And wow. then he went to Kentucky. Now he's done. Looks like things are looking up for him. Nice. All right, Big C. We- Thank y'all. Enjoyed it as always, and I'll be talking to you tomorrow, Kerry. Uh, and you hang in there, Drew, and roll tide to both y'all. Roll tide, Big C. All right, uh, we've had a caller. We're not quite sure who it is. It's been holding for over five minutes. Uh, we'll go ahead and bring him on now and just take a chance, I guess. Uh, 256 412. You're live on Bams Radio with Kerry and Drew. This is Jocelyn. Hey, hey Jocelyn. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Straight, straight to hear from you. I'm well, Josh, I bet you're called to talk softball. I am. I had a um. I actually have a question. All right. I have noticed um since I follow um Alabama softball along with football, you know, they're they're my two favorite Bama sports. But anyways. I have noticed that one of Bama's players has been playing, and it is the third baseman, Peyton Grantham. Peyton is hurt and this won- year. Oh, she's hurt? Yeah, yeah she got hurt. a knee injury yeah. uh, back in the fall, and she's had yeah. the red shirt medically, so she'll still have three more years to go. But she hadn't been able to play at all this year. If you watch them on TV, she's the one wearing the black shorts with the knee brace on that has the jersey yeah. on. Right. Because I noticed that she's been helping um, – the pitching coach, Steffi Brambrinkle, 
I think that's how yeah, you say her last name. Yep, she's, right. uh, she's been helping her um, make the calls, and I, I just wondered. I wondered why she wouldn't, why she wasn't playing. So. Yeah, they, yeah, Jocelyn, they they had talked about playing her uh, maybe halfway through the year, but I don't think her knee had made enough progress, and you don't want to waste a year in softball, and she's got a lot of potential. She showed a lot of power last year from Daphne. Uh, being an in-state kid, and they've got they they they'll meet her next year. They you know they're losing Danae Hayes, and and they're losing yeah. uh, Jaden Spencer, and so they've got some people that are that are going to be graduating, and so uh, they they're going to need her, and uh, they just decided to hold her out in red shirt her and, and and hope uh, that she can have a full recovery and be ready to rock next year. Yeah. As far as the team goes, Jocelyn, uh, the best news is they're now ranked in the top five and also the top five in the RPI. And you have to be in the top eight in the RPI uh, to get a super regional. They know they're going to get a regional. But yep. you want to get two rounds at home, not just one. Also, with a great chance this weekend, Jocelyn, to go to uh, Fayetteville and sweep Arkansas. Arkansas is the worst team in the SEC. They only won one league game. Yeah. So Alabama's probably going to beat them three times. And that's going to allow Alabama to get a bye in the first round of SC tournament in Baton Rouge uh, in the next weekend. So th- things are looking up. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good year so far. We'll see what happens in the postseason. But right now, uh, Alabama softball is, is definitely doing a great job. Already got 40 wins. They are. They they are doing awesome. They're, um, the record is – I wrote down – I found out the record is 38-11. and 11. And then they that got a – not- yeah, and a 19-7 home record, a 10-4 and four away, and 14-7 and seven in the SEC. And you really think about it, that's just that's amazing. I mean, the way they played mm-hmm. against um, Tennessee, which is they came back and beat them those two games after losing the first game, you know, to one of the most disliked teams of the SEC in Tennessee. Right. You know, that's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was there yeah. on Saturday, and i tell you what. They they got a new nickname for our uh, third baseman this year. They call her Marissa Home Runyon. Yeah, she she's been ripping yeah. the last month, and, yeah, and I'll she, say this: she's good too. Jocelyn, if it hadn't been for pathetic umpiring, they would have beat Auburn. Now uh, yeah, I will say were. that that they didn't pitch well enough too, but the umpiring had a lot to do with that, and it was pathetic. Well, and, I did uh, beat them two out of three, but you're saying they were swept. Yes. If uh, if there had been any kind of umpiring in Game Three instead of the clown show that went on. They would have uh, won that game and uh, and swept them. They had two, but and you know they did have three big leads and they needed to pitch a little bit better. And I think Murph kind of will let. I think he should have gone to the pen a little sooner. But at the same time, I thought the umpiring was just horrific. But again, they they should have swept Auburn and Auburn's had a really good year. But they, uh, I agree with what Kerry said that weekend. They did make a statement. The first two games they destroyed Auburn, and then basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a game taken from them in the last one, but they they're better than Auburn, and uh, they'll probably end up finishing ahead of them in the, in the standings now uh, if they can sweep this weekend. And like Kerry said, it's going to put them in position to to host uh, the first two rounds, and ultimately that's the goal. Yeah, I think they won't have any. I know for a fact they won't have any problem in Arkansas because no, I think they take all three of them. Said, yeah, because like we said, Arkansas is one of the lowest um, teams in the SEC right now, especially the softball. So oh, I think we'll get an easy barrel. sleep against them. I agree. So. Well, hey, listen, it's good hearing from you, Jocelyn. 
Good hearing from you too. Appreciate the call. Uh, Thank you, Josh. Call here in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk some more softball. Okay. All right, roll tide, y'all. Thank you, and roll tide. That's uh, our friend Jocelyn up there in the Shoals area. Very sweet lady. Met her at Bam's uh, tailgate one time. Really, really, really sweet person. Nobody loves that bone softball more than that lady. But uh, we do have another caller holding on. Uh, we're going to go ahead and bring him on now. Not just a caller, but a guest, a friend of the show. Uh, you know him as LJS Law on the Internet. His Twitter is at LJS Law. Uh, he's uh, one of the most outstanding divorce attorneys in Mobile. But he also finds time to uh, host a podcast of his own, Talking Tuscaloosa, with another friend of our show, Luke Robinson. Let me go ahead and bring him on now. Uh, Jimmy Stein, I know this is probably one of the most exciting years of uh, days of the year for you, Jimmy, the NFL draft. What's going on, brother? Uh, I am I am a true NFL draft nerd. This is like a all, all day I've been trying to figure out why this isn't a national holiday like uh, Labor Day or something. I, I don't think anyone should go to work. We should all just be a uh, crowd around our TV sets from coast to coast. And Jimmy, I, this is Drew. I, I think you're like me. I I, I watch every pick. I, uh, I and yeah. I'm talking about of every round. <laughs> so yeah. uh, That's I, what I'm I do. glued to it. I mean, it's something that's like it is like a three-day holiday for me. Anybody that loves football, if you don't watch the draft, you don't really love it. I'm sorry. Well, to me, I mean, I love it for so many reasons. I could probably talk 20 minutes on just why I love it, but I think the best way to describe it is, it, it you know, my two favorite sports, you know, are college football and NFL football, and this is the night that those those two those two sports collide. It's the collision of yes. college football and NFL football. And as far as NFL teams, you know, I'm a college guy first and foremost, an Alabama guy. But if you think about it, during the NFL season, if the Steelers are playing the Lions on on a Thursday night, then all the Steelers fans are watching and all the Lions fans are watching. And quite a few fans of the other 30 teams are watching because it's an NFL game. But tonight, the fans of all 32 teams all have an interest in what's on tonight and tomorrow night. So you've got all the NFL fans watching, and you've got the hardcore college fans like us. Uh, we're watching because, we, you know, we're rooting for our guys, and, and, and we have such a – us college fans have such a widespread knowledge of, uh, of all the guys that are being taken. So, so it's, just, it's just a fun event for, for, for everyone who loves football. And, Jimmy, i got one thing to tell you, Kerry and Thomas, and y'all all get a kick out of this. I, I had to check my cell phone just for one second before you came on, Jimmy. I got a phone call from a, a good contact of mine in the Shoals area, and he's a, he travels through the state of Mississippi and Tennessee quite a bit. And He called me right before the show, so I, I wasn't able to answer, but I, I wanted to listen to his voicemail to see if he had some good info. And He told me today he went through the state of Mississippi on his sales calls and said that he was in Oxford, Mississippi, and he said it's very interesting there right now. He said that, They've uh, they're convinced that Nick Saban has passed his prime and has lost control of the program completely. He's too old. That uh, too many discipline issues, and they're about to pass Alabama. That's going to be a fun week coming up this year when they come back to Bryant Denny Stadium. Uh, I hope it's as fun as the one two years ago when uh, they wrote some checks their butts couldn't cash and uh, talked about how much they would score and ended up shut out. Well, it's a different scenario all the way around this year. Last year we were kind of walking into a hornet's nest a little bit. I mean, they they, they definitely are a more talented bunch than they normally are, you know, per their oh, history. Yeah. But but there, there, there's still some holes there. They have 
an issue at quarterback, and and I know that we have our questions there too. You know, but uh, and they have some holes elsewhere too. I mean, I think they did lose. I mean, even their cornerback Sinquez Golson, who'll probably be drafted tomorrow night. Uh, you know, they they Good have player. some holes, and and they'll be, they'll be on the road. Uh, you know, whenever you go on the road with with, with a with a new quarterback or quarterback that's not ready, that, that's a tough order for them. And of all the games on our schedule this fall, myself personally, I wouldn't rank the Ole Miss game as one that I'm particularly petrified about. But the fact of the matter is they do have a lot of talent. They do have players that can hurt you. You have to play well to beat them now. But most of their talent to me, guys, and I bet you all agree, is sort of centered around that one recruiting class. It's that, that group of true juniors uh, this fall, yeah. the, 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 you know, the, the safety, the the tackle, the the wide receiver. These are first rate guys, first rate players, all kind of in that one recruiting class. But there, uh, there'll be a handful. But I tell you, I'm more worried about myself going to Georgia, going to Auburn, going to even Texas A&M. Uh, I think those will end up being even tougher tests for us, myself. No doubt, Jimmy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I watched agree. several of the spring games, Jimmy, and I, I got to tell you, I was I was extremely impressed by Georgia. Uh, I realize they've got a slight quarterback situation there, but uh, neither one of the two competing for the job are, are bad players. Uh, right. <laughs> their defense looks good. They got arguably the best running back in the SEC. Uh, you know, he's definitely top two or three. Uh, I, I foresee if Alabama is able to keep injury-free and get through the season and win the West, Jimmy, I feel 95% sure that the opponent in Atlanta will be the University of Georgia. They have athletes everywhere. When I watched their spring game, what stood out to me particularly was how athletic and good-looking that defense is. Their, their front seven looks a lot like ours, which is a heck of a compliment. I mean, they're, they're, they're just a big – physical bunch they've got the playmaker at running back you know and, and when you have a new quarterback and you're trying not to put a lot of pressure on him his best friend can be his running back and and you know and then chubb they, they've got the guy that can take pressure off the quarterback so i, I think Georgia's is going to be a complete handful i would certainly project them to win the east and be in atlanta at the end of the year but going to play devil's advocate i probably said the exact same thing the last two years and and somehow some way Georgia finds a way to screw it up, and, and Missouri ends up in that game. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, you know, picking Georgia again, but I, I seem to get repeatedly burned when I do. I agree, Jimmy. And I'll say this: one other thing, Ole Miss can't do, in my opinion, to be an elite team, and that's they can't run the football. Uh, they don't have an elite back. I don't think they signed an elite back. The Walton kid is. He's a smaller guy. Uh, I think their offensive line has been suspect, and uh, I, I expect Alabama to handle them. I think Georgia is going to be a handful. I think Bryce Ramsey will probably ultimately win the quarterback job, and he's a, everybody knows how much Alabama thought of him. Uh, they've got Malcolm Mitchell. They've got Rome. They've got quarter, they've got players everywhere. Mick Chubbs is, is, a, is a beast. Then you, then you take into effect Marshall, and then you, then you, uh, you, you take into effect the slot guy. Uh, and they can play everywhere. Number one, I, his name is uh, escapes me, but uh, but he's a he will be a sophomore. He's an. I play McKenzie. Uh, no, no, no. That that's sixteen. That's a slot return guy. I'm talking about the tailback. Oh, uh, uh, uh Stony Michelle. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a great talent. So they've got guys all over the place. They've always got skill players, and 
you know, I, I don't think Rick will ever win a national championship because I think he'll always find a way to blow a game or two. But they're they are going to be a handful in Athens. Yeah, it's a good. Well, it's kind of lots of good teams. Tied, uh, lots of good teams all over the league, no doubt. There are, especially toward the top. Uh, let's turn the tie back uh, to the, to the draft, Jimmy. Uh, I've seen. I mentioned this when we first came on the air, but I'll mention it to you. I've seen about eighteen mock drafts, and fourteen of them have Alabama with two players in the first round. And uh, only four of them showed just Amari. Do you feel like Drew and I do that because of his special teams acumen and his uh, clean slate uh, as far as discipline? Do you feel that Lennon Collins is a lock for round one? Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's a lock, although I think that has little to do with Landon and more to do with the safety position and, and the team needs that will be picking anywhere from that 20 to 32 area where Landon's likely to go. Uh, I think because of team needs and how the strong safety position has been devalued just a little bit, uh, you know, with with this with, with the offenses that are, you mostly see in the NFL right now, I think teams are a little more interested in having a cover safety as opposed to the typical in the box safety like Landon is. But my personal expectation is that Landon will go in the first round, mostly because he's the number one guy at what he does, and that is he is easily the number one in the box safety in this draft. And secondly, even though he's referred to that way by all the experts, because that's what he does best, I think his ball skills are are, are a little undervalued. I don't think he's a great man-to-man cover guy, but I do think he can play center field. I think three of his picks this season were all center fielder type. All all of his picks were basically him playing center field and I think that uh, that his skills there are a little undervalued. So I expect him to go in in the first round tonight. Uh, it won't stun me if he ends up being a high second round pick. But I don't know. I, I like the Eagles at twenty, or maybe the Cowboys at twenty seven, as teams that sort of need safety help. So uh, I, I'm saying Landon's going to go there. But of course, as everyone knows, I'm a, I'm a total homer for the Alabama guys. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. Well, I wanted to ask Jimmy because I know his stock's been going up. One mock even had him in the first round to this morning. But uh, I don't think he'll go in the first. I think he could go as high as the second. But I think T.J. Yeldon is going to be a solid pro. I think he was hurt a lot this year, and that, that kind of didn't help him at all. But And if he'd been healthy against Ohio State, it may have been a completely different football game than I think it would have been. But uh, what is your take on uh, T.J. Yeldon? I, I think he could he's, he, he should go in the second round if he's healthy. Right. And uh, I think he's going to be a guy that somebody could have a really – I mean, I, he probably won't be one of these guys that's going to be a 20-per-game guy, but he's gonna, he can be very productive for a long time. Well, I, I agree, Drew, totally. I, I think he's a second-round guy, and if we're all uh, put, putting money in the pile and betting where he goes, I'm, I'm going to say second round for TJ. But uh, I want so badly to predict that he'll go at the end of the first tonight – uh, I, I want to say that. I just know I'll end up being wrong, so I, I don't want to say it too loudly. But I do know uh, through various sources uh, he does rank third on, on, on many NFL teams' boards. Uh, so much of it is scheme-oriented, as, as you guys know. Not everybody in the NFL runs the same scheme and wants the same thing out of their backs. But if, if you want to power back, TJ is clearly the third guy behind uh, Gurley and Gordon. He's the third guy. Now, if you want to spread, if you're more of a spread team through the Eagles, you know, you're, you might be more interested in Duke Johnson 
or Amir Abdullah or Tevin Coleman, maybe they wouldn't rank TJ quite as high. But the teams that are more interested in that power ground game, they all have TJ third. And considering Gurley and Gordon are going to go in the top 15, top 18, there'll be about 14 teams picking after them, many of whom do run a power offense. And I think it's possible that TJ could slip into the end of the first to maybe the Cowboys or the Patriots, uh, you know, some team that wants to, you know, run the ball between the tackles. And other things, TJ does things well that we sort of took for granted at Alabama. In particular, he's a great yes. third down back, and he picks up blitzes. He does all the little things. He's 225. Uh, I think TJ is a better NFL prospect than most Alabama fans realize. I agree 100%. And before Kerry uh, well, it comes in, with, he chimes in on TJ and then on his next question, I wanted to ask you, uh, not really about an Alabama guy yet, but I, of Todd Gurley. I think he's a freak. Um, yeah. I think he should go in the top ten. I thought, you know, after what he did against Alabama in 2012, he's a full-grown man. Obviously, the injury didn't help him last year, but, but you know, if he hadn't got suspended and got hurt, I felt like he was the Heisman winner. Uh, I think he's another Adrian Peterson if healthy. What are your thoughts? Uh, I love Gurley's death. We're, we're on the exact, exact same wavelength there, Drew. I, I think Gurley should go in the top ten. Uh, I think three or four years from now when we look back on this draft, Gurley will end up being one of the top four or five guys in the entire draft. Um, he can also, a lot like TJ, he catches the ball, he picks up blitzes, he's got the big body, he's you know, been highly productive against the best defenses in college football. I, I'm completely sold on Gurley. Apparently his health is checked out. I, I think he should go in the top ten. I, I sort of believe he will go in the top ten. Uh, and I, I, I've always felt that Gurley was being undervalued by the mock drafts, which which I think were really dinging him over the knee. But as we know from, from all our guys at Alabama, these days in modern medicine, and the, these kids come back from ACL surgery better than ever most of the time. It's when they get that second one that you really have to be worried. Well, and I'll say this, too, and Kerry would concur, I think. I know they need defense so badly, but they have not been able to run the football in so long. You know, I, I wish the Atlanta Falcons would take him. <laughs> I think he'll, he would be there. And I think he would make their offense so much more dynamic. But that's just my take, and I'll let Kerry chime in. Well, I, I wouldn't have a problem. I know that Falcons need defense and specifically a pass rusher. Yeah. But I would not have a problem at all if they were to take Todd Gurley in the first round. Uh, so I guess that makes all three of us Gurley men. But uh, well, moving one, on. One thing's kind of funny. It's almost like it's almost like you guys have bugged my house. I just had this exact conversation about Gurley going to Falcons just 20 minutes ago. And <laughs> well, you know, one thing one thing that's really interesting about about that that could happen. And I heard Tony Dungy uh, talking about this uh, in an interview on the Dan Patrick Show one day about a year or so ago, is that your scouts can put 30,000 man hours into the board, and then the assistant coaches put 10,000 man hours into shaping the board. And you do all that work, and then the morning of the draft, the owner walks in the room, and the owner says, uh, we're taking Todd Gurley. And that's because it would create so much excitement in Atlanta. They would sell jerseys like crazy. They'd sell tickets like crazy. Now, half the, I think, the more intelligent Falcons fans will be mad. They'll be like, we need help on defense. We don't need a, another offensive player. But there are so many Falcons fans who are Georgia Bulldog fans. There are so many Todd Gurley fans in Atlanta 
it would create a certain level of excitement. And as we know, the Falcons don't sell out their dome every single week. And uh, and I'm not saying that Arthur Blank uh, feels that way. I'm just saying that sometimes your scouts and your coaches, they do all the work, and then it comes down to draft day, and the owner walks in the room, and it's his team. And maybe that's a situation where the owner says, you know, we're taking the Georgia kid. Well, hey, all I'll say is this. This would be the perfect scenario for me because I think the kid's a beast. And if they draft Todd Gurley with the eighth pick, make a trade. Dimitrov is known for trading. Trade back into the lower part of the first round and take Shane Ray and get rolling. Now, I realize he had the drug situation. I realize he had the foot situation. All I know is I watch the tape. I like him better than Dante Fowler. I don't care what they test. I watch the film. And I know Austin Shepard told a very good friend of mine that played at Alabama that he was the strongest guy we faced all year, and he was like hitting a tire iron. <laughs> I'm a big Shane Ray fan, too. And I, I think as fans we need to adjust our thinking sometimes, particularly when it comes to that issue. Keep in mind, Shane Ray was cited. It's almost like getting a traffic ticket in most jurisdictions. That uh, drug of his choice is illegal now in many jurisdictions all over the United States. It's not like he's all of a sudden caught up in a murder investigation in Baton Rouge. I, I think there's a good chance that two-thirds of the teams in the NFL don't even care about what happened with Shane Ray, that it's not an issue that affects his performance. But that, that's how I think most of the teams would look at that. I, I think Shane could fall a little bit, but like you said, Drew, the, you just watch the tape. He, he won't fall that far. I mean, he's a beast. I can tell you firsthand. I can tell you firsthand, and I'm, I'm not a midnight toker by any means uh, <laughs> at all. In fact, Jimmy can attest that I'm more of a stogie man. But that being <laughs> said, I can tell you if you live in Tuscaloosa, that one of the easiest ways to get off of jury duty if it's a drug case is to, is to tell the judge, Your Honor, I just don't understand why marijuana is illegal in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you it works. Okay, uh, I don't I don't smoke it, but you know that works <clears throat> in the courtroom. Now, Jimmy, I wanted to turn back to a, a, a mobile guy, and uh, you talked about the undervaluing of the safety position. Well, that's nothing comparing to the almost extinction of the fullback position. But I wanted to ask you about the pride of Biger in Alabama, uh, Justin Fowler. Does he have a place in any of these seven rounds? I'll be a little surprised if if, uh, if Jousting goes goes real high, like you said, because in, in some some NFL teams just don't even have a spot for Jousting. But but what I think what I think again what I think guarantees Jousting's uh, draft status is he is a perfect he's a perfect guy to play on multiple special teams. I think I think. Basically, on every single special teams package an NFL team features, there's a spot for a Jalston Fowler. So I, I expect Jalston to definitely go probably around round five or maybe even before, uh, depending on the team. But I think special teams alone guarantees that Jalston will be taken at some point. Another one I wanted to ask you about, Jimmy. Uh, I've seen mixed reviews on him. Uh, he did lead the team at Sacks last year, uh, and he did play high school ball about 30 minutes from where my mom lives. But do you think there's any uh, any good evidence that one of the seven rounds will hear the name of Xavier Dixon? Yes, because uh, Xavier put up outstanding. I mean, Xavier put up really good numbers at the Combine in Indianapolis, and then he put up even better numbers at Pro Day in Tuscaloosa. I assure you, 
that in that building at Pro Day in Tuscaloosa, when Xavier ran the 40 and did the shuttle and they weighed him, there were, there were some going, well, where, who is this guy? <laughs> because he really only had one really productive season at Alabama, and that was his senior season. So I think Xavier really turned some heads at Pro Day and, and at the Combine, and I think on athleticism and potential alone that he will have his name called at some point. I just think with Xavier there might be some question uh, regarding his work ethic and regarding what kind of devoted kid are we getting because, frankly, a kid with his measurables should have been a dominating football player. So I think the first question is, wait, he's got these measurables. Why doesn't he have multi-year high production to go with it? And I think the answer to that ultimately will show you know, measurables-wise, that deck gets a third or fourth-round pick or better. So if he goes in the sixth or seventh round, it's because the scouts have questions about, well, wh- where is the production to go along with these big-time Sunday measurables? Another to ask you about is a guy that I know you're a big fan of, uh, not only because of his football play, but because of his charitable work. Uh, where do you see Austin Shepard, Jimmy? I think in the same kind of area, that fifth, sixth round, uh, you know, what's going to hurt Austin a little bit is I don't know that Austin necessarily looks the part, and I'm not talking about his, his obvious size and his frame so much as, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say Austin's got an impressive NFL body. Uh, he's also didn't test well in terms of 40 times and things like that. He's not a measurables guy. But Austin's sort of the opposite of Xavier. Maybe he doesn't have the measurables the NFL looks for in terms of how quickly he can move his feet or how many times he can bench 225. But Austin's got two years of tape playing the game at a very high level against basically pass rushers that are all going to be drafted this weekend, whether it's the Shane Rays or the Bud Dupree's or the Dante Fowler's. Austin Shepard has played really well for two years against premier talent. And I think the tape is what gets Austin drafted. And I, I firmly, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident he'll be drafted, probably fifth or sixth round, uh, and he'll probably do well. He's got some versatility. I think the the fact he can play tackle or guard will help him as well. What are your thoughts on Trey Priest? Uh, Trey, I, I think Trey could be drafted late. You know, one thing, one thing that Trey gets an A plus for, which the NFL takes very seriously, is Trey was our traffic cop the last two years. He's a three-year starter at Alabama. The last two years, he directed traffic for the front seven. Alabama runs an NFL defense, and he has to make the same calls in our defense that Mike linebackers make every Sunday in the NFL. He has a lot of experience at it, and he's very good at it. He's also got adequate, not great, but adequate NFL size to play in the middle. So for those reasons, Trey could be drafted high or could be drafted. But Trey isn't in great shape. He ran a horrid uh, 40 time at Pro Day, I think 495 uh, or worse. Uh, I think I think his uh, his weight, he's too heavy. He's been too heavy for three years. Uh, I think his measurables could keep him out of the draft altogether, but his head is what could get him taken sixth or seventh round. We'll have to see. Well, Jimmy, all I can say is I just hope that Trey Dupree's help does with another certain somebody in recruiting, and that's all I'll say about that. Hopefully, uh, he can help set up the next year's squad. But uh, and he had a he had a solid career. 
But uh, yeah, Trey was a three-year starter and a good player for us. Uh, yes, he was. No, no question about it. Uh, and, and then I guess the thing I wanted to talk about is another SEC guy that the Falcons may end up trading up for or could draft. In a way, I hope they don't because I think he's got boomer bust potential. I'm not sold on Dante Fowler at Florida. I mean, I watched Cam handle him uh, in Tuscaloosa as a freshman. And I, don't get me wrong, Cam's going. He, Cam may go first in the draft. I understand Cam Robinson's not your your ordinary freshman. But I just didn't see the week-in, week-out production out of Dante Fowler that I saw out of Shane Ray, and so I'm a little bit leery of him. Yeah, I, I, I am, I'm more pro-Fowler uh, than you are, Drew, although he had, well, you guys were on the air, he had a pretty interesting uh, interview on NFL Network. He's, he is very proud to be Dante Fowler, I can tell you that. <laughs> he's, he is a, he's, you know how humble Amari is? Well, uh, Dante's sort of the antithesis of that, but he, I think Dante's a really good player. He did not have his best game against Alabama, and you got to credit both Cam and Austin Shepard for, for that. Uh, but I like Dante's explosion. He plays really hard. I know it was against East Carolina, and you question the competition, but he, he looked like a, a 2014 version of Derek Thomas against East Carolina. He destroyed them snap after snap after snap. I, I like Fowler. I expect that he'll be the first edge rusher taken tonight, probably in the top six, if not the top three. He could go third to Jacksonville. I, I like him. I think he's going to be a really good player. But, man, that, it's it's so tough to project that spot, guys, because while he's going to be drafted because he's such a good pass rusher, the fact of the matter is the NFL will exploit your weakness quickly. And if Dante cannot also play the run to some extent, they're not taking a guy third who's going to come in on third and ten. Dante's got to be an every-down guy in the NFL to justify being selected that high. And I think it's fair to question how good Dante would be on all three downs at that level. But but I, I like him, and I, I would take him high myself. I, 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 I think Fowler's the best edge rusher in the draft. Interesting. Well, he may very well be. I just – I've not been sold in his production, um, but and what and I guess a couple other Alabama guys. That Christian Jones had such a poor senior year. I don't anticipate him being drafted, but I think DeAndre White could be a productive NFL player and maybe the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Do you anticipate DeAndre being drafted? I do. Uh, I, I do. DeAndre uh, was also another guy who had a really good uh, combine, a really good pro day. As you guys. Uh, listen to our podcast. We frequently have Kyle Odell on as a 49er scout, and Kyle Kyle raved about DeAndre's performance at the combine. Not apart from the fact he ran a 4-4, which is exactly what what the NFL is looking for speed wise at that spot. During the drills, he apparently really impressed the pro scouts with his ability to get in and out of his breaks and use his hands and catch the football. I think what hurts DeAndre a little bit is even though he's gained some good weight at Alabama. And he's a pretty strong kid for his weight. He has very thin joints. He's a thin kid uh, around his knees and his elbows. He's just not a really thick guy. And, and that's a little bit of a red flag in the NFL because guys with thin joints tend to get hurt in that league. But DeAndre checked out medically well. And uh, I, I know Kyle expects DeAndre to go around the fifth round. He doesn't think he'll be drafted quite as high as Norwood. But he, he says, you know, fifth round or so. Now he's definitely got some great tape. And, Jimmy, I know you need to go, but I just want to ask you one more question before you go to your NFL draft party tonight in Mobile. Uh, 
Well, since we didn't mention him yet, and since you mentioned joints, and I'm not talking about uh, the top, the midnight toast, I'm talking about the actual knee. Uh, what, what do you think the prospects are for for a draft pick for Ari Kwanja? Well, I think Ari played really well in his senior year at Alabama, but as we all know, uh, he's had multiple knee injuries. And uh, uh, I'll answer that question by uh, telling a, a story. Is, is that one year ago, a guy none of us Alabama fans were talking about, but I was high on based on what I saw out of him as a junior year was Dion Ballou. And I thought, man, Dion Ballou's going to run a 4-4 when he was healthy his junior year. He was great in coverage. He ends up not getting drafted and basically cut from three teams. And, you know, so I asked my scout pal, you know, after the draft was over and Dion didn't get drafted, you know, and he tells me, you know, that Dion had so many medical issues that many teams red flagged him altogether, meaning that he was just not healthy enough to be drafted. And I'm not saying that's exactly the case with Ari, but Ari has had multiple knee surgeries at Alabama and I think whatever is in his medical jacket will determine whether Ari goes in the third round or not at all. But if Ari goes undrafted, I don't have anything to do with how he performed at Alabama because I think in his senior year in particular, in my mind, he played like a second-team All-SEC guy his senior year. But these NFL teams are investing a lot of money in these dudes, and it's not just about is he healthy enough to get through his rookie year. It's about – does Ari have the knees to get through four years? And uh, it's, all, it's all about his medical exam, and, and with that we just don't know for sure. But I can see Ari on his skills being a, a late third-round type pick, but I'm sort of expecting him not to be taken at all on the knee issue. I, I agree, Jimmy. It's sad, I, but I'm proud of him for how he finished. Yeah, and a great, great kid. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing about Ari Quandro, uh he will be a success in life, even apart from football. Really bright guy, really good guy. Yes. Uh, Ari's going to be successful, period. Yes, he will. Jimmy, uh, we want to thank you for your time. Uh, you've given us a good half hour, actually more than that. Uh, and I know you have a party you need to get to. Uh, go ahead, before we let you go, and tell them how they can find you on Twitter and also how they can find you and Luke's podcast. Oh, I really appreciate that. Uh, just uh, at LJS Law on Twitter, and you can also follow me on Twitter where I will link people to the podcast. We do it once a week. They're usually out on Wednesdays. Uh, we record on Tuesdays, and you can follow us on you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Talking Tuscaloosa, or just Google Talking Tuscaloosa, and it will take you right to uh, where we archive all the podcasts. And I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you, Jimmy. Really appreciate it. Roll top, my man. Thank you, guys. Roll Tide. Thank you. That's uh, Jimmy Stein, also known as LJS Law. And you heard him there. You can reach him on Twitter at LJS Law. You can Google Talking Tuscaloosa for his podcast with another friend of our show, Luke Robinson. We're an hour into this week's edition of BAMS Radio. We're going to take our first and only break. So uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. But for now, you're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio Family.
Radio. Uh, we are at right now 23 minutes before the hour of 7 in the Central Time Zone if you're listening live, and we hope you are, but we also appreciate our podcast folks. Uh, baseball Wilds, Alabama and Arkansas have completed one inning at the Hoover Met. The Tides have two men on base in the bottom of the first, no shock there, and it is 0-0. Zero to zero. Uh, We will have further updates from that game as the show progresses, as well as a call-in uh, in about 45 minutes from Paige Hockman, who is at the game watching her son, Georgie Salem, play center field for the Tide. Uh, we mentioned earlier about the success the softball team is having. Uh, baseball team is going to have to pick it up to uh, 
secure a spot in the SEC tournament and also the NCAA tournament. You must finish over 500 to get an invitation to the NCAA regionals. And currently, Bama is only two games over 500. They need desperately to find a way to win at least two this weekend against Arkansas. And they need to take the doubleheader next week from Alabama A&M. And they also need to win uh, in Huntsville against Mercer uh, in, in a week or so. So um, I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host of Bama's Radio from BamaMag.com. And I'm going to bring back in my co-host, uh, Drew DeArmond of uh, 97.7 The Zone, ESPN Huntsville, and AlabamaIntel.com. And uh, we'll talk more about baseball a little later in the show. But, Drew, there's also uh, both positive and negative basketball news to report. The positive is the commitment uh, to walk on over Auburn and UAB by Coleman guard uh, Lawson Schaefer. And also, Drew, there has been a defection today, yet another one. Uh, freshman forward Jeffrey Garrett has decided to leave the Alabama program. So that opens up another scholarship for the late signing period. But at the same time, uh, you know, it, <laughs> it makes you wonder, are they going to be able to find enough bodies to fill the spots? Oh, no doubt. Uh, I still think they're going to use two more scholarships. And uh, they're going to – Jeff Garrett leaving, who was probably a – was very athletic, but was still raw in his game, was probably more a mid-major player like Devin Mitchell. Um, and his offer sheet would attest that when he signed with Alabama. So um, it was – he's a great young man. We had him on this show. Uh, I think he had potential. Uh, but I think, uh, just to be bluntly honest, Avery Johnson is trying to upgrade the talent on the roster. And I think you'll see Alabama bring in two more players. Uh, one of them could be, in the end, Willie Kawasi at Kennesaw State to use for a year. And then they want to have two to three scholarships available for next year. And as of right now, the only senior on the roster is Renton Obasahan, and he will be a fifth-year senior. So they want to have one scholarship free and then maybe have the versatility to have a third if Kawasi were to come in. But if they could get the right pieces, they still could take Willie and have two available. But I think at the very least they want to have two, but hopefully three. And I still think they're going to use two more scholarships, Carrie. They're recruiting a junior college forward center. And they're also – it looks like they're zeroing in on Corey Eubanks from Florida, who decommitted from Baylor and who Bob Simon has a connection to. Yeah, Kobe Eubanks. Or Kobe. I apologize. Kobe Eubanks, correct, correct. Yeah, he's one of the top ten uncommitted players in the country. Yes. He is that small forward type guy that can play on the wing the and shooter. shoot three. That uh, Avery mentioned uh, at the Crimson Caravan stop uh, in Dozen last night, that they were looking for one postman and one guy that could kind of play on the wing, be a, a three and maybe an occasional two. Uh, the two position is, is really thin right now on the team, Drew. Uh, but at the same time, this guy can probably play both. And, and, and Kobe Eubanks apparently – is being very receptive to Alabama's overtures. So that is definitely a guy to watch. Now, let me just reveal a little bit, and, and I'm not completely disagreeing with you, Drew. I'm just, I'm just adding some information that I was able to garner the other night. Uh, the interest between Alabama and Willie Kowalski is more on Kowalski and Darian yeah. Knox's side oh, yeah. than it is on Alabama's side. Quite frankly, uh, his guardian, uh, which is the, uh, the uh, I guess it's the uncle of Justin Knox, uh, yeah. It's an AAU coach, and Coach Knox and Alabama have, have not seen eye to eye, particularly under the Grant, uh, the Grant administration. I understand that, that Darry Knox, you know, was, was picked off because Alabama wouldn't release Justin to go play at UAB. Well, you know, sorry, Coach Knox, but Mike Davis shouldn't have poached him, okay? 
let's let, let's put that out there. But you know, Antoine Petway is, is a holdover from that staff, and uh, my information grew. And look, it could be proven wrong in two weeks. Don't give me. I'm about to say, well, I'm tell you what, somebody that I that I've heard. I, I think Avery has been warned about what it's like to deal with Darian, and, and that yes. could be a that could be a holdup in Willie coming to Tuscaloosa. There's not any doubt in my mind that Willie wants to sign with Alabama. You can read it on his Twitter. He's calling Tuscaloosa's second home and all that stuff, and it may happen. But they, but as you and I heard at the caravan last week in Huntsville, there's a junior college player who we haven't been able to figure out uh, who it is 100%. I got a good guess, but he can play the four or the five. I think, Drew, that there's a possibility that it might be Brandon Walters, uh, who's about 6'10", 300, that plays over at uh, Walters, Walters State in, around Chattanooga. But I can't prove that it's him. I'm just saying he's one of the top guys in this area that's not signed. Uh, but there's some JUCO, whether it's Brandon Walters or somebody else, that plays the four and the five both. And by that listeners, we're in the power forward and the center division. That they have ranked ahead of Willie and, and several other potential uh, graduate transfers. I'm not going on the record saying Alabama's not going to sign Willie Colossi. It wouldn't bother me at all if they did. But they've got some guys ahead of him, Drew. And, oh. and, and it looks like Willie's wait, ready to wait. It looks like Willie's willing to wait. But if Willie ends up in Alabama, Drew, he's, he's going to have to wait a little bit. Well, that's what I was told, too. He's a backup plan. Right. And I'm just saying, if you end up with one scholarship left, um, if you sign two players and end up with one left, you could bring in Willie. It would still free up two for next year because he's a one-year guy. Um, but if you don't bring him in, if you if you like your roster, then you've got Bretton as a fifth-year senior, and then you'll have a scholarship left over to sign two players. And as we've seen, someone could leave to go to transfer or go pro. You never know. Um, so they could still end up with three, but I think they want at least two. And uh, and so we'll see. Um, but I, I don't. I wasn't surprised by Jeff Garrett leaving uh, in a way. It gives them more roster flexibility, and uh, and I just think that, uh, that, that that they wanted to, they want a more flexible roster and to upgrade the talent level. And one way to do that, it, it, it hurts you from a body standpoint. But if you can get uh, Kobe Eubanks and say you fight, you get this uh, the, the, the the JUCO power forward center, then your your outlook is much much brighter. Oh, and wow. don't forget Brandon Austin could play some too as well. He can. But you know what? I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about something last night, Drew, while I was watching the Atlanta Hawks struggle but but get a big big win at home and go up three to two on a series that should already be over against the Brooklyn Nets. But I was thinking about something. If, if I'm Brandon Austin, if I'm BA, I'm going to be studying the heck out of some Damari Carroll tape. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, and I think uh, you know there's been some debate about BA. There's still people down on his ability. I still think he could be a player for Alabama, especially now that he's going to actually get some coaching. Um, I think uh, he's athletic. He can shoot the ball pretty well. He's improved a lot. I think he's a good kid. He is. He is a legit six-five. You saw his athleticism in Mississippi in the Alabama Mississippi game, Kerry. You saw it at the state tournament. Obviously, he's someone. He's he's got to get better, but I think he's someone with an upside. And uh, I think he can be a productive player at Alabama, especially with a staff that uh, has been in the NBA and, and hopefully uh, Avery and Bob Simon and those guys and whoever is the final on-the-court assistant, hopefully they can help develop him and, and teach him. And Because I, I think the lack of player development has been glaring at, you know, 
uh, at under Anthony Grant. And one of the funniest things I read today, Kerry, and he's, I'm sure he's obviously a much better lieutenant than general, but uh, the, I, as Billy Donovan, we haven't really talked about it on the show, he's moved on to the NFL, NBA, excuse me, the NBA to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they were talking about the, you know, succeeding him at Florida, and they were talking about what a great recruiter Anthony Grant is. Well, I never saw it, and that's all I'll say. Uh, he did get some big in-state kids, but he couldn't keep them in his program, and he couldn't recruit a big man to save his life. So, and as the head coach, ultimately you hire the assistants. If you hire assistants that can't recruit, it's on you. And if you can't recruit it yourself, it's on you. But hopefully this staff, with Avery Johnson, if they pull a kid like Kobe Eubanks and get a quality junior college power forward center this late, you've already seen what a huge difference an actual coaching staff makes. And now it's official. You know, you've also seen it in the, the, the official signed transfer of Nick King from Memphis can't play this yes. coming here, but this is a guy that was a, a very highly ranked guy, like top 25 player coming out of high school in Memphis, Tennessee. Things just didn't work out for him playing time-wise like he would have hoped at, at the University of Memphis, but he's as good a wing as you're going to find, and I, I know he can't help this year, but to me that, that shows a lot of acumen on, on Avery's part. Hey, all I'll say for Nick King was he was playing for the Anthony Grant of Tennessee. Okay, Josh. Except the only difference is Josh Passner can recruit. He can't coach his way out of the sandbox. He won't be at Memphis much longer. I think they'll fire him. He'll be an ace recruiter for the rest of his career on someone's staff. But he's going to have to come a long way. And he had a big name when he when he took over for Calipari. But I've watched him coach for several years. Leaves a lot to be desired. And he wasn't even on my radar screen for Alabama. And it's telling. I don't think he's on Jeremy Foley's at Florida. I think so, the next Gator is going to be Archie Miller. It could be Archie. Now, now Donovan apparently he wants Pelfrey. Wants Pelfrey to take over. So I think I think Donovan's taking Grant to Oklahoma City. He is. Grant, as we've discussed this, Grant had interest from NBA teams as an assistant and as yeah. a scout. Uh, we just didn't know it was going to be this route. Yeah, uh, before. So he's going to end up on Billy's staff. He's not going to get the Florida job. His star has dimmed uh, for now. And uh, I don't think Pelfrey will get it. I, I Personally, I don't think the Florida alumni will could handle that well because of the way John did at Arkansas. So I expect uh, them to go out and get a head coach. And the the one that's obvious, and you know how Foley is. He likes to, to, to go get up-and-comers. Right. Uh, he did that with Coach Mack. And I think he'll do it with uh, with Archie. And Archie will be a great hire for Florida. Now, Anthony Grant could end up at Dayton. Maybe. but Maybe, but I doubt it. I, I don't think they could sell him to their alumni either. I wouldn't want to. I've, I've heard that he will likely end up in Oklahoma City, which that's Oh, awesome. yeah. I, don't, I think that's definitely. And the more Oklahoma City pays him, Drew, the less Alabama's got to pay him as a difference of the buyout. Just never come back, even to scout. We don't really want you to. Bye. They didn't tell him about a week ago. <laughs> right down the road from me. Oh, uh, I know. Looking at, looking Alex, at Alex Reese. Reese. Jr. They yes. listed him at 6'9", but I don't think he's quite that big. But anyway, get, getting back to the current program, uh, and I know he's going to join us uh, in, in a few minutes, but Al- Alabama picked up a, a very big invited walk-on commitment today from Washington State for Drew, a young man that you and I got to see play in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, probably only about 5'11". Uh, but I tell you what, he's a lot quicker than you think. 
He's a tenacious defender. He can dribble. He can pass. And most importantly, Drew, he can drain the three. Well, you saw him in the Alabama-Mississippi game, Terry, but I'll tell you this, and I'm going to talk to him about it when he comes on. I saw him put on a two-day show, a two-game show over a few-day period at Wallace State Community College. He averaged 31 points per game, and we're talking about against two very athletic teams, the Athens Golden Eagles, coached by Stace Tedford, and then one of the most talented teams in the state of Alabama, the Lee Generals, who just had way too many athletes but he had over 30 against both of those teams. I think he would be an All-American for Lenny Acuff at UAH and could help them maybe win a national championship. But he can he can play, and I think his dream has always been to try to play in the SEC. And a lot of people told Antoine Petway he couldn't either. We all saw how that worked out. But to, to say Lawson Schaefer is a quality walk-on, that's an understatement. Uh, he, he's tremendous. And uh, just look forward to talking to him. And I know he, he, he was recruited as an invited walk-on by both Alabama and Auburn aggressively. He had an offer from Furman, uh, but he, I think he wanted to, to play on the biggest stage in college basketball for him. And he's a gym rat, and he's just someone that he gets the most out of his ability. And I, I think you will agree with me, Kerry, in the Alabama-Mississippi game, when he came off the bench, he sparked Alabama immediately uh, with his – and let's just say he's got big cojones because he took a three with nobody underneath except the other team and drained it. He did. And so he's got yeah, he, supreme confidence in himself. He does. In, in, in terms of how they uh, pronounce it, like out on the uh, pickup games on the heart, on the asphalt and all that, they would say he ain't scared. And no, he's not. And the reason he's not is because he has confidence in his ability. He's not the biggest guy out there. But he's got one of the biggest hearts out there, and he, he's quicker than you may think. Uh, yeah. he'll, he'll, he, he can get a hand in there and knock a ball away. Uh, he can definitely drain the three. I was impressed with his passing and his dribbling. Uh, they, they tried to press. He didn't have any problem with that. Uh, I like him a lot as, as a preferred walk-on. And, 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 what, and something else I like about it, Drew, uh, for the last six years, it was like pulling teeth to find out who the walk-ons were at Alabama. You never yeah. even knew who they were until they were allowed to dress for a game, and, right. and then you would you would get their name on the roster that night. And, and all of them that were on the, what, Grant, what Grant called practice players, they some of them never got mentioned because they never dressed for a game. A few did. Uh, Dakota Slaughter certainly worked his way up through those ranks, and there at the very end of last year, a guy named Christian Clark did. But uh, here we are being told ahead of time that this guy was going to be on the team, on the roster. Not some kind of – yes, he'll be on the scout team. Sure he will. But, Drew, there are situations that could arise even this coming year, even this coming year, where the other team is in zone in Darren, Alabama, to beat them behind the arc. And I'm going to tell you, this, this guy can go in there and do it. I mean, I'm saying like a quicker Travis Stennett. Oh, no doubt. I think he's got more upside than Travis Stennett. He's a better ball handler, as good a shooter, a uh, better passer. Uh and I think he's just a spark plug, and I think he'll be somebody, at least in practice, that's going to make everybody better. And, uh, again, with his work ethic, I wouldn't be surprised if he earned playing time. And it's an awesome thing that uh, he's going to be an invited walk-on at Alabama, in my opinion. And we do still have a, a few minutes before Lawson Schaefer joins us at the top of the hour. So let's, just for this next six, seven minutes, Drew, let's, let's revert back to football recruiting because since we've had our last show, Alabama has picked up not one, but two commitments on the offensive line. Uh, 
why don't you tell our listeners about these two young men, one from your neck of the woods and one from out of state? Yeah, um, no doubt. Last night, Alabama picked up a huge commitment from Deontay Brown, six foot four, three hundred and forty-six pound left tackle at Austin High School, who will slide inside the guard at Alabama. And when he gets his weight down, I think projects at right guard. If you watch his film, Mauler is the perfect description. I mean, he's physical, nasty, plays through the whistle, and I think has a chance to be a special player. Uh, he's as good. He's got as good a film as you're going to find. He plays for Jeremy Perkins at Hart, at uh, Austin High School. Hope to have Jeremy on my radio show in Huntsville tomorrow, and uh, to talk about Deontay and Coach Perkins break him break his game down. And he's a guy with a lot of upside. Still needs to you know qualify academically. Still, I think that's going to happen. But very very good player. And then the and then Chris Owens about oh, seven days before that from Lamar High School in Arlington, Texas. He chose the Tide and. He's an excellent student, already got the SAT score, great GP, high GPA and the high threes, and he had offers from Stanford, Duke, Northwestern, so you, in Vanderbilt, you know he's got uh, the grades, and he had 30 offers and chose Alabama the first time he visited, and uh, I think he and he's a technician, but he's at, very athletic, be a perfect left guard, and I think he and Deontay could be perfect bookends in a few years at Alabama. And you combine that with Jonah Williams, they've got three really good pieces. Jonah could play either left or right tackle. And now you just want to try to add three more pieces, in my opinion. You want to try to add someone like Tate Levitt from the Kansas Junior College uh, scene who's a, uh, who could play either left or right tackle and then uh, enroll early. And you want to try to add someone like, you, like Willie Allen or, or Juan Williams uh, from Washington, D.C., one of those two. Uh, OTs as far as high school players. And then if you could, in my opinion, the final piece should be Darius Whitfield from St. Paul's, the brother of Josh Kasher. Uh, Very, very quick. I think could be a center in the future. Uh, Bigger than his brother and a really good football player. And I I think you could have the number one offensive line class in America. Yeah, and I don't think, Drew, that there's a true left tackle yet in this class. And I think that's one of the points you were trying to make. And uh, it may be a JUCO. Uh, The Willie Allen talk has really died down the last couple of months. I'm a little concerned about that. But it doesn't really matter who it is. But would you not agree there has to be a true left tackle this year? Oh, no doubt. I think there'll be uh, either a Charles Baldwin or a Tate Levitt brought in uh, to be a left tackle. To uh, either uh, let, maybe play right tackle for a year and compete there, and then and then uh, be and then take over for Cam Robinson for a year, but um, but I, I really think that they'll take a, a a tackle, someone that can project to on either side from the junior college rank, ranks that can play either side, and then I think they need a developmental left tackle. Jonah Williams could be that guy, or it could be Willie Allen or Juan Williams, and. I really think that uh, one of those t- a couple of high school kids will be groomed as the heir apparent for Cam Robinson. One of them will sign with Alabama. I still think Alabama's got a good shot at Willie. We will see. I know Ole Miss and LSU are trying to make a push, but I think they've got a chance to get one of those two guys, and both of them are considered elite players. And I think uh, it's going to be very important to get three OTs in this class to go with Lester Cotton to develop for the future. Yep, and do you not also agree with me, and I think you do, that they've got to get a true, not a match back like the guy they got committed a week to ago, but a true inline blocking tight end in this class. Yeah, they do, and I think they're they like the scales kid as a blocker, 
But I think they also like Danny Dalton, the kid from Massachusetts. I think he can be a developmental guy, and uh, we will see. And then the, the young man out of Oak Ridge, Tennessee, uh, he's a, he's another one that is a defensive end tight end that will be visiting soon. That I think uh, my, my my compatriot William Barger uh, thinks is a five star talent, and uh, so there's there's some targets uh, being developed out there. We will see uh, and evolving. And I think they'll keep the, you know recruiting. But I think right now the one to watch is Danny Dalton. They love him as a receiver, and I think they think he can improve as a blocker, much like Hale Hink has had a much better – he had a solid junior year, but he was much better as a senior, and they really uh, think he has a bright future now himself. Right, but I think in the case of Scales and Hink with both, I think those guys are H-backs unless they seriously bulk up in the weight room. I mean, really seriously bulk. I think if one of those two can do that, he can be an in-line guy. But right now I think they're both H-backs. I want to ask you about another guy, Drew, uh, a guy that Auburn is really counting on being part of their class that Alabama offered him today. And I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the young man is the son of uh, former heavyweight champion Vander Holyfield. I'm talking about Elijah Holyfield, uh, running back from Woodward Academy in Atlanta. Yeah, he's a, he's a good-looking prospect. I haven't watched any film on him, but I know Auburn likes him a lot too. Um, he's someone to watch. Uh, I think uh, – He's a running back that I, he, I believe he was at Auburn's A-Day. And so, but I think Alabama will obviously be evaluating him. They're trying to you know, decide which running backs, especially in the 2016 class, to, to lock in on. Obviously, I think uh, Michael P. Ryan from Theodore in, in Mobile is someone to watch. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, I think he – and the one, but the one to really hone in on that I know is with Nick Saban at A-Day and in the car with him – and that the coaching staff is very high on is Devin White uh, from Louisiana. He's six foot, a little over six foot, 253 pound monster, and he's one that I think the Alabama coaches. I know they're going to have a dogfight with LSU, but they really, really want the young man. And uh, yeah, and I, and I believe, like I said, I believe Holyfield is Evander Holyfield's son because his kid went to Wilwood Academy, and he did have a brother, an older brother. Uh, that walked on for a couple of years as a receiver at Auburn and got into a few games here and there. So I don't know if that'll be a factor or not, but I just think that it'd be pretty cool to have a Vander Holyfield coming to your game. <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's just me. That's probably because I used to be in Atlanta. Um, interesting tweet uh, just now, Drew, that the Falcons could be a team to watch as far as trading up for the fourth pick. We'll see how that develops, and, and we'll keep people uh, keep people posted as the draft goes on. Back to baseball, uh, they're in the bottom of the third over at the Hoover Met. Uh, still scoreless, but Alabama has a man on second, Chance Vincent, singled and was bundled over by Chandler Avant. Uh, so Alabama has a man in scoring position with only one out. We'll see if the tide can, can break through in, in a situation where they really, really, really need to get at least two out of three. Uh, I, heard, I heard an interesting thing uh, from someone who's followed the program Closer than me, Drew. Yeah. Uh, apparently, back in the fall, there was a situation where if you had a great practice, I bet you wear this lime green T-shirt the next day. Kind of the baseball equivalent of the championship belt in football. Uh, three guys are wearing the lime green under their jerseys tonight, and they're junior leaders, and their names are Mikey White, Georgie Salem, and Kyle Overstreet. And Overstreet's already made a almost top 10 ESPN play at second base tonight to keep Arkansas off the board. Uh this could be a situation, Drew, like the 99 football team way back in the day when the Dubo staff wasn't doing a lot of leading and Sean Alexander, Cornelius Griffin, 
and uh, Chris Daniels kind of had to lead that team. Maybe those three guys can um, can help get this team into the postseason. We'll keep you posted on that. But now we have our next guest calling in on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. We talked about him briefly. Uh, uh, we, we had some good things to say about him. But, Drew, you got him, and I'll let you officially introduce him to us. Well, tonight on BAMS Radio, we're honored to be joined by someone that's had the biggest day, obviously, in his basketball life, uh, getting a chance to realize a dream and choosing to uh, become a preferred walk-on at Alabama. And regardless, he will be on the squad, have a chance to earn playing time, and, and it's well-deserved. He's uh, the 6A uh, player of the year uh, from Coleman High School, uh, pound for pound as good a high school basketball as I saw play player that I, that I saw play this year. I mean, the show he put on at Wallace State was unforgettable, but we are honored to be joined by Lawson Schaefer of Coleman High School. Lawson, how are you today, man? I'm doing good. I'm feeling real good. I got you got to be feeling really good, my brother, and I know we I saw you for the play last year at Wallace. That was the first time I got to see you play, and I know from talking to people throughout the season, I didn't get a chance to see you guys at the Steel City Tournament, but I know you played well, and I have a good friend, Gabe Tucker, who lives in uh, in Hansville, who's very familiar with the, the basketball scene in Coleman County, and he, he kept me up, to, uh, up to date on your career. And I was really looking forward to seeing you guys play, and I got to say, that Athens game was probably one of the best high school <laughs> basketball games I've seen, you know, all year long, and you guys had an epic comeback, and you had a great game that night, and then you know, followed that up with a tremendous effort against Lee High School, who was an extremely talented team, and you averaged over 30 points per game in the in the re, in the regional. I think really uh, that 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 cemented six A Player of the Year for you. But just kind of talk about your career and how it evolved at Coleman. Uh, it, it started out slow, to be honest with you. Um, coming up my ninth grade year on varsity, I was I was real small, and the justice through the game was tough for me. I really didn't pick up on everything. Really, towards the end of my sophomore year, I played on a good AAU team and everything. And then about junior year coming up, I just really, I really wanted to succeed. And I, and I knew that if I wanted to go to college and everything and live out my dream, I, I really had to push myself. So going into my junior year, that's what I tried to do. And the Parker game kind of solidified going into my senior year of what, what, it, what it could be. And so going into my senior year, I knew what I was capable of and I knew what my team was capable of. And so we just tried to live that out, and I think we did so. It's just that we came up and it played as well against a really good Lee Huntsville team. Lawson, this is Kerry, uh, Kerry Clark. I work with Drew, and uh, I work for BamaMag.com. Our, uh, and I, I never got to see you play but one time, which was the All-Star game down in Montgomery. And uh, before I got in the car to drive down there with Drew, uh, my boss at BamaMag.com sent me an email saying, Kerry, uh, I want you to do at least one paragraph about Lawson Schaefer because my wife, Lynn, is friends with one of his aunts, and, and we just need to give him a little publicity. I said, okay, crack, I'll be happy to write about it. So I never seen him fight. So I go down there, and I watch you get in the game against some really good guys from Mississippi, I might say. And it just it, it's like what we say when we play pickup ball. You know, they say he ain't scared, but that was what I looked at when I saw you. And back in my day, and, and I, I'm going to probably make you laugh when I tell you this, Lawson, but I'm in my 50s, and I, and I still play church league, and I still shoot three, but I don't shoot as good as you. Uh, I was impressed. Uh, we were talking about one play where you came down against Mississippi, and it was a close game, and there was nobody under the goal. And, and like in a normal game, they'd be saying, don't shoot it. And you pulled up and just drained the three. 
But my impression of you was that you were more than just a three-point shooter, and that was actually what the coaches were telling us before the game when we talked to them about you, um, that he's also a defender, a dribbler, a passer. Uh, just kind of tell our listeners how you would describe your overall game outside of just being a great shooter. I would, I would describe it as a complete player for the most part in my position. Um, the last two years I've led my team in rebounding, assists, points, steals, blocks. Uh, I, I try to do a little bit of everything because I knew if I if I wanted a chance to play D1, I can't just be a shooter at my size. And I knew I just couldn't be a good ball handler. I knew I just couldn't I couldn't just do little small things. I had to do everything. And so that's what I've tried to do. And I, I would say it's more of a hustle player too. I want to get down on defense and I want – I want to create a lot more on defense than I do on offense because I know defense leads the offense. Another thing I wanted to ask you, because um, Drew has a question right after me, but what's your actual size right now? Um, I just got done working out and weighing myself. I'm six feet tall and 155. All right, go yeah. ahead, Drew. Yeah, no problem. And, and Lawson, I, I've got to, I've got to ask you too because you obviously were meticulous in your recruiting process because let's not get it twisted. You had other offers and you had a lot of interest. I, when I saw you after the Alabama-Mississippi game, I started to speak with you, but you were surrounded by coaches. I mean, uh, there was <laughs> yes, four or five. And I mean, and I was laughing because I was at Wallace State the whole week and Coach Meeks at Wallace was there. And I was joking with Rob Ketchum of the Coleman Times. I was like, Meeks might as well just move into his basement. Because, I mean, <laughs> wherever you were, Meeks was – and I know he was very interested in you, and I know several other schools were. Just kind of tell the listeners who all you ended up getting offers from and then and then what ultimately led you to choose, uh, you know, Alabama over Auburn as far as to continue your career. Um, I had offers from Furman, UAH, um, UNA, Montevallo talked to me pretty heavily. Um, trying to think. Texas Pan Am talked to me a lot. Sanford talked to me a lot. Trying to think of all the schools. It, it was a bunch. It was, and it was mainly D2 yeah. and JUCOs. A lot of JUCO schools were hot on me because they, they thought I would, yeah. I would go the JUCO route because of my size. But uh-huh. I knew if I ever wanted to get in the D1 level, I had a lot of hype on me right now, and I, I just came off a hot year. So I wanted to take the opportunity that, that was handed to me because I might not get that opportunity again. So I, I was yeah. choosing between UAB, Alabama, and Auburn. And I went to Auburn first. They were the first school to call me and want me to walk on. And I love Coach right. Pearl. He's a great guy. And Auburn, I'm a big Auburn fan. So it was like a dream come true to even come down there and visit. And we got home and I tell my parents that I liked Auburn a lot and I, I'll probably end up going there. And I was like, I'm just going to keep being patient, though. And if nothing else comes up, I'm going there. I, got, I go down to Alabama, though, and it's – I guess just knowing a lot of the players, uh, I knew Justin really well, and just guys like that, it makes you feel at home. And that was the main thing I was looking for, is just where I felt most comfortable at. And I love yeah, Coach Petway. Yeah. And so uh, it just felt right to me when I got down there. i got to ask you, too, because you're going to draw a lot of parallels with Antoine because of his career. Obviously, he was a smaller <laughs> guy coming out of Wilcox Central. He had an offer from Jacksonville State, didn't want to go. He wanted to, he had a dream to play at Alabama, thought he could play on the highest level. He obviously proved everybody wrong and became one of the most, you know, he's, I'll just say it, 
I, I've got it on my wall here somewhere. He's the only Alabama player to ever have a Daniel Moore painting as far as basketball. So he <laughs> he made the shot to lay up against Florida to beat Billy Donovan yes, in the sir. SEC in 2002. He's he's beloved by the fan base, and you're going to be compared to him a lot. And I know you have to feel a, a kind of a kindred spirit with him and hope that your career can go the same path as his. I really do. I hope if I can accomplish half the stuff that Coach Tetway did, my career will be considered success in my book. So I'm just going to come down and try to put in as much work as I can and just hope for the best. I wanted to uh, tell you something else. Uh, now that you brought it up about being an Auburn fan, Lawson, uh, I never really revealed this on the show. So some people are probably about to be shocked. But when I was growing up in Montgomery, I, I was an Auburn fan. Uh, I, I didn't know any better. Uh, my dad had went there for two years. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, from about zero to 11, I didn't even care about sports. I was into comic books and stuff like that. But from about 11 to 18, I, I was an Auburn fan. I mean, I, I didn't know any better. My dad, like I said, went there two years before he transferred. And I lived in Montgomery, and everybody was Auburn. And then it came time to pick a college. And I wasn't an athlete. Uh, well, I mean, I played some high school stuff, football and track, but I wasn't a college athlete. But I, I was wanting to be in radio broadcasting, and Auburn didn't even offer it back then. They they do now, but they didn't offer mm-hmm. it. Now, like I said, I'm old, and so I had to pick between Georgia and, and uh, I had to pick and Alabama. And uh, even after leaving Montgomery, I went to high school in some out in Georgia, and Georgia was close. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I, I've not really pulled for Alabama ever, but I'm going to go out there and, and I'm going to tell you right now, your first Iron Bowl when you're a freshman this fall is going to be kind of weird. But yes, sir. once you get all the way into the Bama thing, it's going to be the best decision you've ever made in your life. Uh, <laughs> I have never regretted it. I, I've been, I mean, like I said, from 11 to 18, I was Auburn. I'm not going to lie. But from 18 to 56, where I am now, I've been Bama. And uh, I'm not even going to tell you how many national championships I've been able to watch just compared to what they did. It, it's going to be <laughs> weird for you, uh, this first Iron Bowl. But after yes, that, sir. you're going to never regret it. You're never going to be sorry you picked Alabama. Uh, it might be weird to put on Clemson. I know you put it on today at your press conference, but you'll get used to it, and you will never regret it, and you'll never look back. I can tell you that firsthand, Austin. I'm excited. And only time will be able to tell if, if my my liking for Auburn will change. But uh, I'm up for anything, obviously, if I, if I went to Alabama over Auburn. Well, and I've got to ask you, Lawson, because you've obviously – met him and, and got a, a good feel for him and Carrie and I have briefly spoken with him but it's been quite a whirlwind and a jolt of energy uh, with Avery Johnson taking over at Alabama obviously I had yes, talked sir. to some people around the Coleman program at Wallace that said Coach Grant had spoken with you as well but now Avery has taken over and uh, and infused some much needed energy into the program and obviously you've got to be attracted to playing for him because much like yourself he was a late bloomer in his career and played and was undersized and played the point guard position. So how so far, what has your been, been your impressions of Avery and, and, and talk about how your relationship has developed with him thus far? Uh, I, I actually, uh, I met him and to be honest with you, just meeting him kind of blew me away. So what he was really telling me, he was kind of going, couldn't really listen because that is one of my mind. I was in the room with Avery Johnson. So, but when <laughs> I, I can got understand down to that. The, when I got to the practice gym and I was able to watch him kind of just coach the guys and stuff, I, I really enjoyed it. He has, you can already tell he has great patience. And that's the one thing I think every coach is a quality trait they need to have because 
it's just the main key to coaching somebody because no, not everybody's going to get it first or even the second time. So you got to have great patience. And uh, I think Justin missed a shot. And it was a pretty deep shot. And he, instead of, you know, saying, Justin, you need to scoot in or something like that, he's like, Justin, I know you can make that. Shoot it next time, and I bet it goes in. But it was just like stuff like that that he was encouraging the guys to do because he, he knows what they're capable of. Let me ask you this. You bring up a great point there, Lawson, because that's not really the kind of coaching that was going on the last six years. I'm nothing personal, but it really wasn't. People were afraid to shoot because they get pulled out of the game if they miss. I'm really glad you shared that because that's a complete turnaround. But let me ask you this. You seem like a guy that, that's, that speaks honestly and, and from the heart. If there had not been a change at Alabama in the coaching, the head coaching, what would your announcement have been today? Uh, probably Auburn. Fair enough. Yeah, no doubt, Lawson. Uh, I I think I figured that had a big impact on your decision. And obviously, you got a chance to, and a feel for him on the practice court. I mean, I know he obviously, you know, spoke with you about you know what his style of play is, and that had to factor a lot in your decision. You're a open court player. You guys played a a fun style at Coleman High School. Very fun to watch. And obviously, you got to believe it's going to be a good fit for you. The style he's bringing to Alabama. It is, and I'm I'm super excited to be a part of what what's about to happen in Alabama basketball. I think this year we're going to set the bar, and each year I'm there for the next four, we're going to keep setting the bar higher and higher, and I'm super excited to be a part of it. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you, Lawson, since you've been kind enough to join us tonight, you got a chance to play with several of your future teammates, you know, for that week down in Montgomery. Uh, let's yes, just sir. get you to kind of evaluate them one at a time. Uh, starting off uh, with a guy that says he might be going to be your roommate. Uh, tell us a little bit about Dayton Ingram. God, we're, I don't even know where to start with him. Uh, I guess you'd start with very good, very good. Uh, he's super crafty. He's strong. I was I was hedging on a screen one time, and he just pushed me straight to the ground during practice at that all-star thing. But he's just so strong. He's a very good player, and I, I can't wait to just watch him and learn everything from him and try to grow as a player from him. And what about old B.A., Brandon Austin? Probably the most athletic guy I've ever seen in person. And I've been to some NBA games. That's strong stuff he, right there. I... He is an athlete. and But he's more than just athlete. I mean, at the All-Star thing, we were practicing, and he was coming off screens and just letting it fly and every time it was going in. And you can't block a shot because he gets up so high. So it's pretty much unguardable. And then, Lawson, we got to ask you about the big man. I thought he should have been MVP in y'all's game because I think he blocked a heck of a lot more than two shots. I know that's <laughs> yeah, what the stat sheet they gave us said, but I really thought Dante Hall was tremendous and he's improved leaps and bounds in a year. And I think he's got a lot of potential uh, to develop into an NBA player at Alabama. I agree with you. Dante is a great guy, too. Um, he's kind of quiet off the court, but you can tell he loves just playing the game. We'll get out there and practice in the All-Star game. And then, even during the game, he's just calling out our names, talking to us all. And he, you can just tell that's, like, that's his home. Like Playing basketball is where he feels most comfortable. And that's what makes him such a great player because that's just – it's just being that's just normal to him is just being out there and being great. What was it like for you uh you played against good competition in six A? 
But what was it like for you being down there in Montgomery and playing with that caliber of player and then for Mississippi against that caliber of player? Did that did that kind of let you know kind of where you stood with your game? Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a wake-up call. It was humbling for me. I thought since I was up for Mr. Basketball, I'd just go in and, you know, get starting spot and kind of own everybody. But it was not like that at all. I was the one getting owned. We started out the day doing one-on-one drills, and I was getting killed. So I, I just kind of – I remember calling my coach and just being like, Coach, I'm I'm not playing up the party. He's like, trust me, you're doing fine. It's just the speed of it. It's just like we started on varsity. So he kind of taught me through everything. And the next day, I just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of woke up, I guess. I, I got the feel of everything, and I did a lot better. Yeah, and and, and Lawson, finally, uh, you, had, you had a great career at Coleman High School, and you uh, you really helped Bobby Myers' program, you know, reach you know, heights it hadn't reached in a while. Just kind of reflect on and and, and obviously you you had you had high goals for yourself, but reflect on being named six A player of the year because there's so many talented guys. You got Brandon Austin at Carver. You had all those guys at Lee like Jerron Sisson going to BCU, but they chose you as six A player of the year. It had to make you feel good and and uh, really feel proud of all the work you put in as a player. It did, and uh, to be honest with you, even if I wouldn't have won that, I would completely understood because, like you mentioned, Brandon Austin, who's going to Alabama, he could easily won six-day player of the year. John says going to VCU could easily won six-day player of the year. So they've even been mentioned in the same categories as guys. It was such an honor. No doubt. Well, man, we really appreciate it. We don't want to keep you too much long. We know you've been very busy today. You've had a lot of media attention and well-deserved and, we we just want to congratulate you on your decision and all the hard work you put in and I know you you uh, approached this and we're and uh, again we're very methodical in the way you chose uh, to where to continue your career and we wish you all the luck with Coach Avery Johnson and we look forward to seeing you on the court next year for the Crimson Tide. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you calling, Lawson. Roll Tide. You have to get used to saying it, but give us one for the record now that you're part of us. Give us a Roll Tide. He actually just dropped. He gone. Well, anyway, uh, that was Austin Schaefer, the uh, 6A player of the year, Coleman's point guard, and a very quality invited walk-on for uh, Avery Johnson in Alabama. Uh, yes. Really enjoyed talking to him. I appreciate you getting him, Drew, that he was able to share part of this great day in his life when he committed to Alabama. Not a lifelong dream. Obviously, he grew up an Auburn fan, but people can change. Uh, there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, when I became a man, I put away the things of a child, and that's what he's doing today. Uh, right. It's no more War Eagle. It's on the road tide, and there's somebody that's been there. It's great, and we we'll appreciate you getting him, Drew. But right now, uh, we have got another friend of this show, uh, one of our uh, two food sponsors on on Bam's Radio, the owner of uh, Asian Rim, Paige Hopman, the mom of Georgie Salem. She's joining us live from uh, the Hoover Met for Alabama and uh, Arkansas are still scoreless. Uh, as uh, we go to the fifth inning, uh, Paige, I, I think that the old left on base looker bear has reared its head again tonight, correct? Hey, Carrie? Yes, we hey, got you. I, hey, Paige. Am, am I on the air? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay, I couldn't, I couldn't tell. I can't hear you guys. It's really loud here. All right. Well, we understand it's still 0-0 in the fifth inning and that Alabama has uh, once again left several people on base. Yes, we have left several ducks on the pond and is a pitching duel at this point. So, Paige, uh, 
first of all, thanks for uh, the early supper tonight. That was great. I had some uh, wings and some shrimp. I kind of I kind of created my own little appetizer combo, and you were very kind on that. And uh, I even put a picture of it on Facebook and Twitter. So. Uh, before we get to the baseball part, uh, let's talk a little bit about Asian Rim. Uh, certainly been in business over a year now in Birmingham at the Colonnade, and uh, now you're open in Huntsville as well. So why don't you tell us how things are going there and how people can get to the Huntsville location? Well, um, we are coming up on our third year. Um, we've been open almost three years at the Colonnade now, and we opened in December up at Huntsville. 720 Gallatin Street, that's right there across from the hospital. And yep. um, everything's going great there. We have a large um, private dining room that seats 55 if anybody has any special events coming up. We'd love to help take care of them. And um, we can do pretty much anything um, uh, that any respective guests would like to have us prepare for them. Yeah, it's tremendous. And I've eaten at the Colonnade Restaurant page. It's a beautiful restaurant, and I know you guys are doing really well in Huntsville, and we're happy to have that. And we just hope that hopefully the bats warm up tonight. Obviously, it's uh, it's big for the team. Uh, they've got three weekends remaining in SEC play, and they really need to win three series uh, to get rolling. Yeah, it just seems like if, if there's been a bad break to have, we've had it. Um, I yes. don't know many other teams that have had to play five doubleheaders which is extremely hard on a team that's already tired from all the travel that they have. So it's been unfortunate. I hope that we can get some breaks, fall our way in the next weekends. We're certainly going to need that. Um, It's just been a a very hard grind this year. And with so much talent on this team and such a junior heavy-loaded team, it's really hard to see them struggle the way that they have. Mm Mm-hmm. It really has. It's it's tough. Uh, obviously, they've you know you get a key here, hit here, key pitch there. It could be totally different. Uh, but right now, hopefully, they can get it done tonight. Uh, get off to a good start. Be to try to take a couple of games from a really good Arkansas team, and and then you've got Auburn. <laughs> That'll always be a hotly contested series, and then the big time oh, yeah. test against Vanderbilt. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um... Well, you know, Arkansas has a lot of hitters that are real hot right now. Um, I think that the, I can't think of his name right now, but it's the player that's leading the country in home runs is on Arkansas' team, and he just tried his best to hit one out over center field fence and almost succeeded, but <laughs> somebody that I know caught the ball, so that was good. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, they need something good to happen. I think that when we lost – the LSU series playing 16 innings and one game, 13 innings and another game. And and here LSU oh, is, you know, number one in the country. But, yeah, that's yeah. a team that we could have had that series. And it's kind of been that mm-hmm. way with Florida, for example. Uh, you literally take one play out of that weekend, one play, not A&M one inning, as well, one play. And A&M, too. It's, yep. Yeah, and A and M the same thing, um, but you know, baseball is a game of what is shoulda, couldas, and um, everything's easy to see after it's all over with. But it's just it's real hard to watch the guys. I hope that people come out and support them as they finish up this season because 
they've given it all they can uh, with with the schedule that they've had and not having any home games. It's just been really tough. Oh, yeah. And uh, definitely we'll be coming out in Huntsville to support them when they play Mercer next week. We look forward to that, or in, actually in a week and a half. But they'll be coming to Huntsville to play a home game and uh, try to make them uh, feel uh, good about the environment there. And uh, it is really hard when you don't when you have to travel all season long, and then you talk, you you, talk, you on top of that you're in the SEC, <laughs> uh, which is one of the toughest conferences oh, yeah. in America. But maybe the next three weeks they can get it going, and if they can get into postseason play, it's a new season. So hopefully they yeah, can pick I, I it up, and so. we really hope so. I hope so. They they you know their their practice situation in Tuscaloosa is they don't even have foul foul lines down there. Right. Um, it's 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 just really hard for them to get in any good practices with all of the heavy equipment around there where they can really focus and do what they need to do to get this job done. But, you know, thanks, you guys, for supporting us, and i um, really glad to be part of the show. And thank you so much for uh, supporting Asian Round, Carrie. It was really good to see you today. Good seeing yeah, you, too. And always. by the way, everybody that's listening up in Huntsville, Tuesday, May the 12th. Yes, that's what I'm the talking about, yeah. game is uh, at Joe Davis Stadium. All of y'all listening that are planning on going to that game, Go eat at Asian Rim that night before or after the game uh, on Galveston Yeah, definitely. Street. Support that new business. Uh, they got great food, uh, and I know that Paige is calling us on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, but Chuck Peak and Paige are friends. They don't have a problem with that. They serve two different kinds of food. The only thing they really have in common is barbecue ribs, and they're both good. I've tried them at both places. So uh, I, I, I advise people, you know, if you're going to a game at the Hoover Met, eat before the game at the Colonnade at Asian Rim. If you're going to that game uh, on May the 12th against Mercer and Huntsville, eat at Asian Rim. And you know what? Even if you're not going to the game, eat at Asian Rim. And pay <laughs> I'll take it, it's still scoreless out there. Pardon me? Still no score? I can barely hear you. I uh, take it, it's, uh, still, it's still, still scoreless, Paige. I'm so sorry, guys. We just have a bad connection here, I think. It's okay. Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and let you go. Uh, Twitter is saying that it's still 0-0 in the fifth inning between Alabama and Arkansas. We'll keep people up there. We only have a few minutes left on the show. But thank you so much for your time and calling in, Paige, and thank you so much for my early dinner. It was great as always. Roll Tide. Oh, Paige. yeah, and Roll Tide, Roll Tide. All right, good night. We'll see you later. See you later, Paige. Okay, guys, Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars take Dante Fowler, Jr. with a third pick, so no Amari to the Jags. And the Let's first just pray it's not the next pick, my friend. And the first uh, two picks were both quarterbacks. Yes, Marcus Mariota to the Titans, Jameis Winston to the Buccaneers. So everything's kind of gone the way they thought. Fowler thought he would go this high to the Jags. He did. We'll see if it ends up being worth it. I personally would think no, but we'll see. He may end up becoming dominant. And uh, now we'll see if Amari goes forth. If he does, I hope the Raiders trade out. We will see how it goes. So the, the fourth team uh, is on the clock right now? Yes. The Oakland Raiders are on the clock. You have to wonder how long they'll be the Oakland Raiders. It might not be a, as bad a deal as we thought if Amari gets to play in Los Angeles in a year or two. That might not be all bad because of the exposure you get out there. But he's already doing great with the various uh, TV and, and Nike contracts that he signed. So best wishes to Amari. Best wishes to Landon Collins on going in the first round. Best wishes to T.J. Yeldon, but he goes – we kind of hope for the Cowboys. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a lot of fun things to follow tonight for University of Alabama fans regarding football and the draft and baseball. Hopefully, pulling out against Arkansas. 
Um, our time is up, and we thank you for yours. Uh, on behalf of Thomas Watts, our studio engineer, and back of Cut Down Alabama Magazine, on behalf of Drew Yarman of uh, ESPN 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville, uh, and also Alabama Intel, I'm Kerry Clark from BattleMag.com and Scott.com. Thanking you for listening, and you have been listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Battle Sports Radio family. Roll Tide and good night, everybody. Roll Tide.